We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alexander. McCollum staying with him. Spins, gets inside. Left-handed off the glass. Oh, what a sweet move. Giddy, tough spot. Back door. What a pass. What a play. And Jada picks the pocket of Trey Young. He'll take it himself. This isn't Gart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested post-game podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Nick, joined by Jacob. As the Thunder beat the Grizzlies by a final score of 116 to 97, we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And if you don't already, if you're a new listener, checking out YouTube, checking out the podcast, make sure to subscribe so you get notified anytime we put up a new show. Occasionally, like we did late last week, we will uh, occasionally drop some bonus pods that may not go on the feed. So make sure that you're uh, tuning into those, getting notifications on any new shows. Um, Jacob, how's it going? It is going, Nick. We missed you last night on the weekly show, but I get to spend my quality time with Nick here tonight Making after a blowout, so uh, all is well. Yeah, I did I did watch the show when I got home last night late, and I uh, appreciate the early shout-out. Even if it was a dig at me, I appreciate you thinking about me. Um, always, always. Yes. As you mentioned, tonight was a blowout. The final score may not have reflected it. It was kind of um, similar to some of the other blowouts we've seen this year where Oklahoma City will be up 40 points, 35 points, 30 points, and they'll end up winning by somewhere between you know 12 and, and 19 like it was tonight. Um, so again, the final box score was 116.97. It was not that close at all. We saw primarily a fourth quarter, especially the second half of the fourth quarter in which um, none of the starters played, uh, Gigi Jackson and the Memphis hustle did get back into the game a little bit, um, ultimately a good win though. And that brings me to my first theme, which is beating the bad team is actually a good sign. I think it'd be really easy to say uh, a game like this against Memphis, a game like last week against Utah. Oh, it's just the Grizzlies. It's just the jazz, but frankly, those games can be equally as press impressive when you take care of business and win big. And if you followed the thunder for long enough, if you, if you followed any NBA team for long enough, even at your pinnacle, when you're at your best, you're a contender, you're a top three or four seed in your conference. There's always games where you go into the game thinking this is an easy win. 
ends up not being an easy win. You either it's either a close game that goes down to the wire, gives you anxiety, or you lose some of these games. And we've seen that a ton from Thunder teams in the past. This season, I can't think of a loss that was like, man, that was a bad team. That they have let up some comebacks. They have lost some games late they probably shouldn't have, or games they had a chance to win and miss shots like we saw in Sacramento last week. But they've taken care of business, and that's a positive sign for me. I, I think people point to winning the big games like Denver. And those are bigger games to be clear. Like the Denver win was much more impressive than tonight. Um, but I put a lot of value and a lot of weight in these types of wins, Jacob, what, what were your thoughts on this game and maybe some of the other wins this season in which the thunder beat teams they should have. I, I think you're spot on Nick. And I think when you break it down to a much more like basic, like fundamental level, what it is is when you play teams that are as good or better than you, so you'll win some, you'll lose some. But a measuring stick is like, can we consistently beat certain teams? And if you can, that proves that you're better than them, right? Basketball is a game of variance to a degree. That that Sacramento game is a great example. Thunder just couldn't hit shots. But there's also a lot of stuff that's not about variance. It, execution, right? Making the right play, playing hard. The Thunder have, I think, proven up to this point now, uh, I, I don't think it's a question anymore, that they are a, a top half team in this league very easily yep. uh, because the teams that are worse than them, they consistently beat. Now, there's some variance there. You lose one every now and then. But if they were like 500 against bad teams and then you know maybe 500 against good teams, I would say there's a lot of noise and a lot of variance in those statistics. Yep. But when you're consistently beating teams like the Grizzlies, like, uh, I'm trying to think of other, the Cavaliers they've beaten twice this year. Utah. Um, Utah, uh, even to an extent like the Lakers. Yeah. You're consistently beating these teams. It's just showing, hey, we are a better team than these other ones. And then you just, you split with the teams that are on your level. Yeah. Which are the Sacramento's, the Denver's, the Philadelphia 76ers, et cetera. Right. Um, I, I, I think when you break it down to very simple terms, the Thunder are just proving, hey, we are a better team than 20 other teams in the league. Yeah, no, I think you're going to lose games to teams you shouldn't. But if you, for the most part, take care of business against those teams, you're better than, like you said, split most of the others. Like if you go 500 against teams that are playoff teams and mostly beat the teams that are not. You get a 51 season. 45, 50 wins. Yep, easy. That's, that's really as simple as it is. Um, I'm going to list out some of the losses this season. I know we're kind of diverting from the game a little bit, but just to conceptualize, mm -hmm. um, lost to the Nuggets at home. That was a blowout. That was early in the season. I think this team's grown a lot. You talked about this last night. Uh, Pelicans lost by four. That was a game they should have won. Let them come back and win late. Mm -hmm. Golden up State, big in that one. They, up big. Golden State, the very next game, that was the Draymond Green net game. I think that's one of those misfortune games. It could have gone either way. No SGA in that one. No SGA in that one. As, uh, Sacramento lost by eight in Sacramento back in early November. Uh, went a long, long win streak. You come back, you lose back-to-back -to, -back to the Sixers, who are arguably the best team in the NBA, who did lose tonight to the Bulls, but um, had like a plus 160-something point differential over their past five. You lose that game by four. You turn around, you lose to the Timberwolves, best team in the West, by three. You lose to the Rockets by nine. That's a game they just played horrible. You just have those games during the season. Oklahoma City is a better team. And then you lose to the Kings, couple nights ago 
um, by five points in a game that you could have won if you'd open shots. So like, if you look at this team's resume to put a bow on the beating the bad teams and, and being impressive, other than the early Nuggets game, like there's not a real big blemish on this team's resume. They're all competitive. Yeah. They're all competitive. And like you said, we talked about it last night, but that first Denver game was an ass whooping. And then they come back and they win in Denver the next time they play them. The, the, the growth is tangible. Like you can see it. Yeah. You can very clearly see it. Yeah. You love to see it. I think it's a culture thing too. Just you don't play down your level of competition. You, you come and take care of business. And that's what they did tonight. They, um, they continually preach this um, zero and zero mentality and going uh-huh. into each day and not worrying about what's coming up the next day, not worried about what's behind you, just focusing on your task that day. Chet even mentioned it in the uh, post-game like walk-off interview with Nick Gallo. You know, we, we, we put that game behind us. We came in, we focused on this game tonight. We'll focus on practice the next two days. And then on Thursday, we'll focus on that game. And it's, they all say it, but it's very clear that they are walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of Chet, I think that's another obvious theme tonight. Oh, um, man. The dude oh, has man. 15 blocks in the past two games, which is like 50-something minutes, like just over a 48-minute game. Uh, I have a, a stat from our guy, Derek Parker, it. DP. Let's hear it. Last seven contests, Chet is averaging 4.7 blocks a game. Oh my god, that's that's almost 10% of the season. That's insane. <clears throat> the dude that is insane. This is a uh maybe a far out take tinfoil hat. Um ever since Wemby started to play better and, and getting back the hype and rookie of the years being shifted back towards him, Chet's been balling. I don't know if there's any correlation, but that dude's been balling of late. There might be. No, I don't think there really is. Um there was a stat I was wanting to find here. Um, Memphis became the sixth team in the modern era to score just 11 two-pointers. That's from our guy, uh, Joel Say that Lorenzi. one again. Say that one again. Okay. <clears throat> Memphis became the sixth team in the modern NBA era to score 11 or less two-pointers. In the whole game? They had 11 two-point baskets. Oh, my gosh. The Chet effect, my friend. That is the that Chet is effect. something. I don't know if, if you feel this way, Nick. Starting with that Sacramento game, there's just something different about him. Yeah. He, he, he has been a confident and aggressive player his whole 24-game career. But something has... has switched there, there there's a there's a flip that has been flicked on yeah something has changed it's like he leveled up i mean the the stuff he was doing tonight there was a block on santiel dama where he drove in on chet and chet kind of like walled them up and as soon as santi dribbled into the lane i was like this is gonna get blocked he's gonna yep. shoot this in. and he tried to shoot it and chet went up and got it with like his forearm and just spiked yeah. it on the ground i mean it's it's almost like we're seeing the game slow for him in real time. I mean, that's that is you normally see it for guys on offense. Like they're they're we saw this is not this is not a comparison by archetype. This is not a comparison of who these players will be. 
But with Poku, we saw that a lot on offense. Early on, he was okay on offense. But as the game slowed down, he was making the right passes, making the right reads, taking the right shots um, in the right place. Chet, obviously, miles ahead of Poku as a rookie. Miles ahead of Poku today. Um, But defensively, early in the season, as good as Chet is defensively, you saw him out of place some. You saw him, although he's really good at walling up, he would come down and foul a little more frequently than you'd like. You're right, it is slowing down, and it's it's more apparent on defense, I'd argue, than offense. I would agree. Man, I just want to fanboy for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, let's hear it. Who, who did he have? Who was the block on? Uh, it was, his, I think, his last block of the night where the guy was in, like, the left corner slash elbow and drove in. And when he got to the lane, check came from the opposite side of the court and and got got from behind it and got it on the glass. Oh, who was that? That's one of the most insane blocks I've seen, Nick. The, the Tillman block before that was crazy too. Yeah, but that one, like he came out of nowhere, like he was on the opposite side of the court and mm-hmm. waited and waited and waited, and the ground he covered to get to that shot was just absurd. Like. And that's what I'm talking about, like the game slowing. Like he just, he saw it and he went and got it. And it's just like, my God, dude, it's, it's insane. He's, have you changed tunes at all on there? There's the whole conversation about Chet as the five or Chet as a four next to a bigger guy that plays five, um, that could actually defend the traditional center. Um, I think the argument there is if you have a traditional five, or a big next to Chet, he can roam more. And we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of these crazy blocks have been like weak side, help side. We saw it against nowhere. Denver. Saw it against Denver. Have you changed tunes at all on your viewpoint of where Chet fits long-term in a lineup? It's a great question. I don't know if I've completely changed tune. I think he still is going to play center at the end of the day. The two big lineup was great against Denver, but whenever it was nut up or shut up time, Chet was the big on the floor. Yeah. Right. Um, but some of the two big lineups are really nice. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see Chet maybe switch over to the four at certain points in games with another big. But I think at the end of the day, he will be the the center on the court when the game matters. Yeah. And I, I still think if they made a move, it would be for a bigger four and not a traditional yeah. five. I agree. I'm completely with you. Um, before we move on to some other themes, let's take a quick break. Before we do, I want to plug our brand new hats that our guy, Justin Peabody cooked up on cotton bureau. I'm wearing one here. I don't know if you can see it. Navy blue. It looks insane. looks incredible. Also got the black with the simple uncontested with the lightning bolt. There's a ton of colors, ton of designs. You can get these in the, the trucker with the rope hat. You can get them in the dad hat style. You can get them in snapbacks. Um, so a whole bunch of different gear and merch on cotton bureau, even outside of shirts and sweatshirts. And I guess we still sell onesies. I don't know. We remember that ad from a long time ago. I think there are still onesies on there. Um, the hats take a little bit longer to ship, but if you are looking for a shirt or a hoodie or a sweatshirt, they can still get here before Christmas. Yeah. So if you're buying for a thunder fan, if you are a thunder fan needing a, to give somebody a gift idea, I just linked the Cotton Bureau store in the chat here tonight. Go snack some stuff. I just got my Chettysburg hoodie. Thing is sick. Remarkable. It is beautiful. It is. It is. 
All right, let's take a quick break. We will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we are back. Jacob, I want to flip it to you. I've I've given the first two themes that I saw. I want your take. Anything we haven't talked about yet? Um, we're already about 15 minutes, so we're, we're getting towards the end. Anything that sticks out that you want to make sure we covered on tonight's pod? Um, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, let's go with a player, uh, Jay Will. Sorry, not Jay Will, J-Dub. J-Dub, uh, 10 points. Four rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block, three and nine from the field. Maybe played the most aggressive start to a game I've ever seen from him. I mean, he was playing with his hair on fire. Mm -hmm. And he was tasked with guarding Jaron Jackson Jr., who is significantly larger than J-Dub. Not just tall, but like like, built. He's just, he's, dude, he's a dude. He's big. And um, J-Dub had that assignment tonight. Coming into this game, Jaron Jackson Jr., two of his last three, he's had 40-plus. Been balling, dude. Tonight, Triple J goes 11 points, three of seven from the field, one of four from three, five rebounds, one assist, one steal. And one, now, that's not, one that's not uh, getting crossed bad by Shane. Oh, my God, that snatchback <laughs> sent him to the shadow realm. That's not all on dub, but a lot of it is. Yeah. And he just, he plays so big. He plays so aggressive. I just thought the defense as a whole, I mean, they gave up, Nick, 13 points in that third quarter. Yeah. 13 points. Like, if it's not scrub time in the fourth quarter and Memphis doesn't score 31 
if they score, say, like 27, yeah. you're looking at a 93-point game yeah. from them yeah. where they made 11 two-pointers, and that's it. That's insane. Just the Thunder defense, I think it's really starting to find its footing. Um, that that was that was a big takeaway for me, which is the defensive performance from this team, especially coming off the emotional high of that Denver game. Yeah, and I, I think Lou gets a lot of credit for being super strong, and he and he is like Lou is a linebacker playing basketball. I don't think Dub gets enough credit for what he's actually able to do, especially on the defensive end. I know he's got the long arms, but he's only like depending on the site you look at or the measurements you look at. 6'6 six, six is probably the tallest he's ever listed. He's listed 6'5 mm-hmm. a lot of places, which is not big. Even, even for a modern guard, 6'5 is not that big. Yeah. For a wing, that's certainly small. And for a power forward, that's very small. And we've seen him guard Wimby. We've seen him guard Triple J. We've seen him guard point guards. We've seen him guard everybody this mm-hmm. season. And that speaks to his defensive versatility, his quick feet, his length. And then his strength, like their strength is a big part. I don't he care. Up. I don't he, care how long you are. Triple J is not an easy assignment. Yeah. He it's can, just it, very, very impressive. Triple J can go out to the perimeter. He can, he can work in the paint. Super impressive stuff from him. I still think, I mean, Kaysen too, um, didn't stuff the, the box score tonight with a whole bunch of uh, stocks or deflections or anything like that. But the dude just gets after it. Yeah. And I think that And imagine him with another offseason when he gets a chance to add some muscle. Yeah. The the Thunder Mold, we we've talked about we talk about this all the time. There'll be a clip of some draft prospect and we'll talk about it in Slack as it's a Thunder guy. Simply put, like a Thunder guy is somebody that is a team player, can pass dribble shoot, is not a ball stopper, and can defend. Like there's how many players on this team, Jacob, are you like I'm not comfortable with this guy defending or like this guy might be barbecue chicken. I know against like a, a superstar player, everybody's barbecue chicken. Yeah. But how many guys on this roster top to bottom? Are you like, man, I'm not comfortable with him playing defense. There's not a lot. And I think the thing is they all just give a shit. Yeah. Like the, the, they're, they're tryhards, which you love to see. And speaking of, if I had to put one guy there and this is another guy I wanted to talk about Josh Giddy, I think just physically doesn't have a lot of the tools to be a great defender. Had a horrible game in Denver. Mm-hmm. Played 15 minutes, lowest of his career. Got benched. But when we look at like many trends, over the past four, he's had three really good games. The Jazz game, the Sacramento game, and now tonight. Tonight, Josh had... Let me get it pulled up here. Uh, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Got to the line, shot 4 free throws, 50% from the field. 0-4 from 3. I mean, Nick, if he hits... One of those, we're looking at a 7 of 12, 19-point game. Yeah. And he only shoots 25% for three. They were wide open. He hits two of those. Yeah. We're talking oh, yeah. about a, a 20 and 12 game yeah. on super efficient shooting. I thought the Denver game was really bad. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very encouraging to see him tonight get back to what he looked like in Sacramento, yep. which was a dude that plays really, really hard. Is in the right places defensively. Is crashing the glass, and it's just finding opportunities. Yeah, the finishing at the rim has gotten better. He's cutting better. Uh, the ball is not sticking as much. Uh, I think what we saw tonight from Josh was a very positive sign. Yeah, I don't think you can compare this directly, but I I do feel like you almost have to treat Josh in this role as a rookie in terms of expectations. 
we've talked about this before he's playing a completely different role by design. Mm -hmm. Like even before he had the slow start to the season and the off course stuff, like he was very clearly playing a different role. Like he went from last year, he was the for sure. Number two guy. Like, I think if you listen to any pod last year, we're talking about Shay and Josh and their fit. And like, maybe dub could be the, the, the number two someday, but it was very clearly a Josh and Shay one, two punch. He's now very clear the four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard role. And it's just like any rookie coming into a system or a guy that gets traded in and he's trying to find his footing um it takes time and the positive thing with josh is maybe not you don't see it consistently or every single night but there are very clear like positive signs that josh is starting to figure things out he's looking like himself again and the fact that he's like i'm six foot eight and i'm a lot bigger than a lot of the guys guarding me i can just bully them and that doesn't have to be like a a bully layup like he can even like use his shoulder and then kind of float back and and hit a a quick little runner floater or just bully enough to where it draws over another defender yeah yeah, get somebody and, and to using his passing, bit. like as as inefficient as he's been this year, the dude didn't forget how to pass. And last mm-hmm. year we we're talking about as one of the best passers in the league. So I think it's just figuring out how his strengths can be leveraged. It's going to take time. T- totally agree, uh, Nick. Before we get out of here, this idea has been floated a little bit, even nationally. Tonight was the first time I let myself start to believe a little bit. A little bit of Christmas hope. Wow. Chet Holmgren got a chance to make the All-Star game as a rookie. I think we will find out after the break. Okay. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. The question Jacob asked, I tried doing the whole like, reality tv show and they're about to reveal who wins the the game show or the reality show and they're like after the break um the question was if he all-star rookie of the year all-star can he be an all-star this year i think the answer is yes he could be an all-star this year that's not a crazy take it's not a crazy thought um i think if we did the exercise of like let's go through every player in the west and like truly map it out 
I think he's like first or second alternate today. I think him and Shingun are both first and second alternate type guys. I think Gobert's playing awesome. Um, I think there's a cat. You can even put him in maybe the more reserve or, or fringe making it in. Um, just because if you're a number one seed, you generally have a chance to get two or three guys in. Um, I think it's close. I think it's really, really close. And even the fact that we're having that conversation is just stupid. Dude, it's insane. You would have never thought preseason. I just pulled it up. His last 10, he's shooting 48% from the field. 16.7 points, eight rebounds, two assists, 3.7 blocks. It's crazy. He's figuring it out. It's it's literally it's slowing down for him in real time. If a month from now, he is still consistently having performances like this, I think I'm pretty sold on him being an all-star. Yeah. The worry right now is, is, is there a dip coming up? And we might have already seen the dip. I mean, the three-point shooting hasn't been great. Yeah. It's been up and down. I think that's legs, a two-game season, especially coming off a foot injury. Yeah. Legs are going to get you. They're going to get you. Um, looking forward, so right about 25 minutes, want to wrap this up here. Actually, before I do, one one comment. Um, this team has 17 wins now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to guess. It may not. It may not be as crazy as you think. At what point did they earn their seventeenth win last season? What was the? Oh, date? you already looked this up. Yeah, I was just about to pull it up. Um, January sixth. Oh God, why did shit. I choose that date? That's a horrible date. January fifth. That no, it's the sixth. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That was the game that they beat the Washington Wizards. That was the game they beat the 127-110 over the Wizards, correct? At home, because Justin had the post game, and he made a joke about uh, the Wizards getting Washington getting overrun on January sixth. Wow! Yeah, you're good. You're good. At, you're good at what you do. This is why you're a podcast host. Um, I can't believe I got that right. That's wild. What makes that even more impressive, though, is that this season started a week late because uh-huh. of FIBA. So, so technically, push, that should be like January 13th. 13th. So they're almost a month ahead of schedule following a season where they increased by 16 wins. Yeah. Hey, you're the betting guy on the podcast. Do over-unders change as the season progresses? Yes. What's their over-under at now? Preseason, it was 43 and a half? Um, I think you're right. I think there was a lot of teams in the West like six teams in the West between like 41 and a half and like 45 and a half. And I know the Thunder were at 43 and a half or 43 this straight up. Says this one says 40. This may be old. It says 44 and a half. There's no way that's still what it is. Where would you put the line now? Now that we're 20 something games in, where would you adjust the line to? They're on a 55 win pace today. I would put it at. 47 and a half. I was going to go 48 and a half. Okay. Which is nuts. I might take the over too. Like, like what? Cause here's another question. Put betting aside. What percent chance would you give the thunder making the real playoffs? Like one through six. Uh, I haven't looked at the standings recently and how clumped it is. It's very but, clumped, but dude, just the way they're playing, like uh, they, they are 100% a lock to at least be in the play in. I'd give it like, 80% that they're one through six. I I'm, I want to agree with you. Um, the only thing holding me back is like a loss to the Nuggets the other night 
would have put them at sixth. I think it was with how the standings shook out. That's now crazy. They, it's now so, they've won two in a row, so it's like they're a couple games yeah. up on second. But it is still very, very early in that respect. And well, speaking um, of two huge ones coming up huge. to close out the week, the red hot Los Angeles Clippers, former Oklahoma City Thunder Los Angeles Clippers, come to town Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a really, good. really fun game. They're playing well. The matchups matchups in that game are going to be fascinating because that starting unit, you basically have like a big three. Yeah. And they've they've got two legit. I mean, I know that Zubas has been getting cooked a lot this year. They've got two legit big boy seven footers. Yeah. So Chet has to guard Zubats. Yeah. I mean, J-Dub guards Kawhi. Do you put Shea on Paul George? Do you put Shea on Harden and let Dort take Paul George? Who's Giddy guard? Russ? Whoever's, whoever's left over. Russ, Russ doesn't start, though, does he? He plays a lot of minutes. Yeah. Um, that's going to be so funny if Russ and Giddy are guarding each other and just daring each other to shoot threes. <laughs> it's like Thunder past and Thunder present. Just becomes a, a three-point shootout between those two. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun game. Lakers after that, too. Um, I think they're mostly healthy right now, but... Um, Anything can happen with the Lakers. They could be completely hurt. That's the in-season tournament champion, Los Angeles Lakers, Nick. For some reason, like twenty to the three and twenty San Antonio Spurs. For some reason, they don't scare me this year. I know they've got like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, yada yada yada. But the Thunder, kind of like the Rockets, can't beat the Kings, and the Rockets can't, or the Thunder can't beat the Rockets. Um, It feels like the Lakers just really struggle against Oklahoma City for whatever. Agreed. It's gonna be a fun rest of the week. It is. I had two L's. What did you have for the rest of the week in your? I, uh... I had three dubs. Oh boy! So we're I know lead opposites here. I hope you're right. I hope I'm completely wrong. We'll um, see. I think it's gonna split the difference between the two of us. Which which you live with. I think that's a great week. If they have a two and one week, it's a great week. Very happy. Yeah. Anyways, we will be with you guys Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Be sure to tune in. That's post Clippers. No, Clippers is Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. So it's pre Clippers. Uh huh. Okay. So we'll have more. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Clippers predictions and bets, and uh, we'll talk more about the matchups. I think it's a fascinating question. I, we want to dive into that more because definitely it's a, a star-struck lineup. Whether the stars are still stars or if they're past stars, past their prime, uh, a lot of talent on that team. So we'll see you guys Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, thunder up. <laughs>